Live from Jerusalem, this is the Yishai Fleischer Show. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show here on Voice of Israel. The United States is concerned that Israel has expanded its holding of state land in Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, by close to 1,000 acres for a new settlement city and that plans are pending for additional building activity in eastern Jerusalem. U.S. Ambassador Dan Shapiro, quote-unquote, relayed our concerns over the weekend, said State Department spokesman Jen Psaki. She told reporters on Washington on Tuesday that she called on Israel to reverse Sunday's decision regarding the land located in Gush Etzion Block in an area known as Gvaot. So not only is the United States contesting the the land appropriation, they are also uh, asking Israel to reverse it. And that is a very bold move in terms of uh, getting into the business of a different country and the issue of Israel's sovereignty. Uh, ostensibly, the story of Kvod is a bureaucratic story where a parcel of land was checked and rechecked and finally got the okay to be land that could be built upon. But the State Department uh, does not see it that way. They see it seemingly as not part of Israel and therefore they call it appropriation or expropriation and thereby feel within their rights to meddle in the affairs of Israel's land and Israel's housing development. We have on the line with us right now Bobby Brown, who was an advisor to two prime ministers, Prime Minister Netanyahu and Ehud Barak, on diaspora affairs. He was the director of the World Jewish Congress Israel office. He's an expert in Holocaust restitution and was a senior official at the Jewish agency for many years. And he's got a lot of insight into this parcel of land and how America feels within their rights to meddle in these affairs. Bobby Brown, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Ishai. So, here we have... uh, what seems to be a, a bureaucratic process that came to an end and maybe a, a, a decision that, that came out, the, the, the announcement of it may have come not exactly at a great time, but the State Department has taken extreme liberty. To, they feel within their rights to not only say to Israel that they're not happy, but actually calling for a recall of those steps to, to actually turn the clock back and say, no, 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 it's not state land. Turn it back to the old status. Tell me a little bit about how you see this affair. Well, unfortunately, um, it sounds like they want us to be a non-democratic country. Israel is a country of law and order and does things according to uh, proper proper procedure. Um, the land that is being talked about now went through a process. That process went to determine if it had any owners if it had any users. In the land where I live, on Tekoa, it even got to the ridiculous situation where someone from the Justice Ministry came out and counted the number of sheep droppings to see if it was grazing land. Um, after a tremendously, tremendously in-detail effort looking if it was ever owned or ever used by someone, of course nobody lives on it, it was, it was determined that there are no owners, and therefore, as all lands in all countries, if there are no owners, it reverts to the state. So the state of Israel determined after a long process that this was indeed state land. No, it, the, the process of building on it is probably a 20-year process. And the United States will have many opportunities to yell and scream as an individual house 
is put here or there. But it's just amazing that while Americans are being beheaded by a land-grabbing jihadist movement across the Middle East, that because of a legal procedure, they go so absolutely bonkers on the state of Israel. This land, how do you reverse land that doesn't belong to anyone? What does it mean to reverse it? You give it to somebody? So it's, it's an absolute um, obsession and an absolute staging of, of uh, American interests, which make no sense at all. It wasn't just the Americans, it turns out. Uh, also, the Europeans issued even harsher statements. Uh, they said, um, new appropriation of land in the West Bank relating to plans for further settlement expansion. Uh, that was what they were against. They said settlements are illegal under international law, constitute an obstacle to peace, and threaten to render the two-state solution impossible. The, U the EU reiterates that it will not recognize any changes to the pre-1967 borders, in including with regard to Jerusalem, other than those agreed by the parties. So uh, they see it as being unilateral, unilateral steps, and as us taking uh, steps that will destroy the two-state solution, and thereby also rendering it impossible to have peace. That's the European narrative. How do you answer that? It's a thousand dunams. It's like the dancer who stubs her toe and says, I can never dance again. Um, in every single discussion, the area included, which is in the heart of Gush Etzion, was considered either part of Israel on one party or a candidate for land swaps by the other. So to jump to the conclusion that it can it is destroying everything that doesn't even exist now is an absolute absurdity. Um, the two-state solution will be ruined. Okay, we should negotiate with parties who consider a it appropriate to give a death sentence to anyone who transfers even half an acre of land to Jews and get their permission to build in our ancient homeland. Uh, there is the, the obsession against Israel. And, uh, you know, in, I think it was Winston Churchill who said that, uh, that the, uh, the uh, attempt of Europe is often to feed the crocodile so they'll be the last one eaten. Okay, in a time when we're dealing with jihadis, when when thousands of rockets were sent on Israel, when in the same area three boys were kidnapped and murdered, you want us to get their permission? So, you know, the days when we were fiddlers on the roof for European leaders is over. Okay. Today, right now, the only one who will protect the state of Israel is the state of Israel. The only one who will determine the future of our country is the state of Israel. And in my opinion, just like in Sinai, when Sadat came because he wanted to stop the expansion of Jew Jewish property, and he quickly came to say, let's talk, the, the PLO and the PA have to, have to know that if they don't 
talk now, we, we don't put life in a freezer. The life of Arab communities, the life of Jewish communities, continues. And we've waited since 1967 for them to come over and say, let's talk, let's deal. We, but of all, let's say no more war, no more bloodshed. And they haven't done that. Okay? The PA has just announced that they will not stop slaughter of Jews. I'm not sure that Europe's recommendation that we get permission from them is a viable one. Bobby Brown was an advisor to two prime ministers, Ehud Barak and Prime Minister Netanyahu. He was the director of the World Jewish Congress Israel office. He is an expert on Holocaust restitution and was a senior official at the Jewish Agency for many years. Bobby, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, and thank you, audience. Voice of Israel. Israel's premier English broadcast network. All right, folks, we're back here on the Ishai Fleischer Show. With us is Dan Diker. He's the former Secretary General of the World Jewish Congress, a research fellow at the Counterterrorism Institute at the IDC Herzliya, and a foreign policy fellow at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. He's also the executive producer here at Voice of Israel and has a fantastic show called National Security. Dan, thanks so much for joining me here on the Ishai Fleischer Show. Thanks uh, for the invitation. Listen, I, I needed some help to understand this shocking language that came out of the State Department. I mean, there's one thing to disagree about Israel's policy, but to call for a reversal of Israel's policy and the language that was used was not in the uh, in the field of unhelpful or uh, not, not productive, the language is, we have long made clear our opposition to continued settlement activity. We call on the government of Israel to reverse this decision. And uh, State Department spokesman Psaki continued, and she said it is contrary to Israel's stated goal of negotiating a permanent status agreement with the Palestinians. So she's reading us the riot act, and she's telling us that we, in fact, don't know our own policy. And she's saying that this land in Gush Etzion that has been checked and double-checked and triple-checked and through the bureaucratic process has made it into the status of state land. Basically, nobody has lived there, nobody's ever owned it, and now it's potentially, not even yet clear for a building, but it's potentially cleared for a building. She's saying that's not okay, and she's not only she's not only saying it's not okay, she's calling for a reversal. I needed some um, perspective on, on this language that's the diplomatic rift that's happening here between Israel and the United States. Ishai, the problem is that the United States has reversed its policy on uh, on the issue of settlement building uh, from the previous administration. And that is the confusing backstory and subtext in the in Jen Psaki, the State Department, uh, the, the American government spokesman. That's the problematic in her statement. The in 2004. April 14th, to be precise, the Bush administration under President George W. Bush issued something called the Bush Letter. That was a presidential letter commitment made by President Bush given to former Prime Minister Ariel Sharon as a quid pro quo for Israel's quitting Gaza in 2005. And in that presidential letter, which was overwhelmingly um, endorsed by both houses of, of Congress, said that Israel uh, it would be entitled to defensible borders, the United States would support Israel's right to defensible borders, and to maintain and retain in the future large population centers that would always remain part of the state of Israel under any future agreement. 
it was uh, it was very clear, and it was made even clearer to me by U.S. officials, including Elliot Abrams, who at that time was the number two person in the White House Security Council, that there were specific understandings between the Bush administration and um, the Israeli government that Israel would be allowed to continue building in the six to eight major settlement block areas without any interference or um, opposition from the United States. Gush Etzion is one of those settlement block areas that uh, that the administration uh, had been talking about back in 2004 when President Bush signed that presidential letter commitment to Israel. Now, the problem is that the Obama administration, in an unprecedented move in American uh, foreign policy and political life, has essentially rescinded the Bush letter and re-engineered and architected their own um, policy, completely uh, ignoring the, the Bush letter agreement. So that is, that is a little bit of the context as to why the Obama administration is calling building or at this point, it's only land appropriation uh, that is not privately owned land of Palestinian Arabs, but it is either Jewish-owned land or or uh, owner ownerless land, land without an owner, that according to international law, according to Israeli law, can be turned into state land um, following the 45-day process whereby potential claimants private claimants to that land or owners of that land can go to the Israeli Supreme Court. By the way, the Israeli Supreme Court is the only Supreme Court in the world, uh, certainly in the free world, in which um, Palestinians living outside the formal borders uh, or the non-borders, if you will, of the state of Israel, pre-67 Israel, can actually file claims with the Israeli Supreme Court over um, over uh, uh, or demands or claims over over that land, which is a really an extraordinary uh, model of uh, of um, you know mega democracy on Israel's part. But in terms of the problematics of what you would talk to just a few minutes ago, right, right. So because everything that you've said makes a lot of sense in terms of uh, okay, so they have a disagreement with the previous administration that could happen. And, but and, no administration rescinds or cancels the. Uh, uh, a presidential letter commitment that was overwhelmingly approved by both houses of Congress, the House of Representatives as well as the Senate. I can still even believe that a president has a disagreement with the past policy. I can believe it. But the public discourse, that's what's shocking here. Uh, to meddle in the affairs of a different state, to undermine sovereignty, to cause such a rift. This is this State Department statement is coming from the very top echelons. And therefore, it is kind of sending a signal out there's a rift between Israel and America. It's not a discussion of friends. It's almost a demand. It's it's not very different than what uh, the State Department could say to Putin about what's happening in the Ukraine. It's like, get out. Don't do this. You're, 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 you're trespassing a land that's not yours. There's a different tone here. And I want to ask you also about the escalation in tone. Well, the tone is a question of style. And, and I think you're absolutely right. There is a very a gruff and, and sharp a tone, not a tone that uh, usually befits a close, intimate relationship between uh, strong allies like the United States and Israel. But this has this tone problem, the style problem, has been characteristic of the last five and a half, six years. Uh, so that's nothing new. But what what really is troubling is this is this notion uh, that in one that in the middle of one of the main settlement blocks that uh, that it, that will always remain part of Israel in any future agreement, if there ever is an agreement between the between the Palestinian Arab side and the Israeli side. Uh, 
this you know these areas are are, are clearly uh, are clearly going to be Israeli, and the Palestinians know this extraordinarily well. What has happened is because of this uh, you know very acerbic tone by the administration, it it actually encourages the Palestinians to take a completely um, uh, non compromising position, which is exactly what caused the collapse of any kind of diplomatic talks in the first term, as well as these last talks now uh, that that um, John Kerry, the Secretary of State, was uh, leading uh, just that collapsed just of uh, the three or four months ago. And it only not only does it lead to a non compromised position on the Palestinian side, it also leads to a different political game here in Israel within the Israeli political establishment and community, and that is because people on the two-state solution side are losing steam in terms of public opinion. And they need somebody to say, uh, the average Israeli doesn't believe that a compromise is possible. They look at Gaza, they say, look, we walked out of Gaza, we gave uh, the Gazans their own state, their own land, and look what turned out. It turned out to be a terrorist state. It is no longer a good idea. And Yuli Edelstein, today Speaker of the House, also mentioned, Speaker of the Knesset, said today that, that we have to get over this idea of the land compromise. So in order to give support to the land compromise uh, ideology and and those political players who say that the State Department empowers people like Tommy like Yair Lapid who are g- coming out and saying this was ill timed this decision and B- Bougie Herzog they're coming out and they're saying you see it's a it's a big mistake and and I'm against Netanyahu in a sense it has a lot of sway those statements from the State Department has a lot of sway in Israeli politics I, I, I sense that there's a meddling in again the political game and therefore the sovereignty of Israel. I think we have to draw distinctions in this in this conversation because it is such a complex topic uh, that we're tackling here. Um, what's interesting about uh, Finance Minister Yair Lapid's comment, actually, is the fact that he said he favors Israeli settlement activity in all of the major blocks. He, that was his first sentence. His criticism was the timing of such an announcement. By the way, the planning of this announcement was 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 several was a number of months ago. What's wrong with the timing now? What's, so what's so bad? The, the, the look from a from an internet. I can understand the claim that it is such an extraordinarily sensitive political and diplomatic time where international attention has been turned on the Hamas and on Gaza. And this was Israel expended billions of dollars in in military dollars, not only the $9 billion we spent defending ourselves against Hamas terrorism in Gaza, but uh, also in the public diplomacy war uh, globally, which in which uh, was a very bloody fight for Israel. And Israel actually succeeded, in my assessment, in turning international attention, especially the attention of the major powers led by the United States, to demilitarizing the Gaza Strip, which was a call by the Europeans and the United States together. Now, that's a major accomplishment for Israel, because if Israel succeeds on a public diplomacy level in convincing its allies, the United States and the European Union, that that Hamas has to be demilitarized, it really means in non-code language that you, by force, if not by diplomacy, and it won't happen by diplomacy, Hamas has has got to be di- disarmed. Now that is it. That's a major accomplishment because the because the spotlight is on the Hamas. What happens here, Ishai, is that we uh, turned that spotlight away from the Hamas and back into the disputed uh, areas of Judea and Samaria, which the rest of the world calls the former West Bank of Jordan or the West Bank. And and that is the criticism that characterized uh, Finance Minister Lapid's remarks. I think there's there's merit in his observation because whether or not you support uh, Israel's right 
over the land of Israel. There is a whole issue, especially in this um, in this uh, uh, generation of high technology, media technology, instantaneous attention. You know, technology draws attention from from you know one part of the world to the other in a moment, and that is what's happening here. We drew attention mom- uh, uh, against ourselves um, due to this due to this uh, uh, announcement that came out now. And there really is a question: is you know when these types of, of very controversial decisions are made in the controversial in the eyes of most of the international uh, community, quote unquote, one has to be. Very, very careful and strategic about one, when one makes these um, announcements. According to the United States, they were surprised about the announcement. There apparently was no forewarning. And I think my view is that that was probably the real reason, because the United States hates to be surprised about things like this. And yet, and yet they've been surprised so many times when John Kerry was here. The announcement of building in East Jerusalem happened a few times. And it seems like these announcements really come and they, they, they sting. They sting and they annoy the United States and, and they uh, cause tension in that relationship. It's hard to, I, I totally understand what you're saying about strategic timing. And yet, uh, I, I had Bobby Brown on right before you, and he said, look, uh, in, a, in a vacuum, in an absence of ownership, we're going to keep growing. We're going to say, yes, we, we, we want this land, we take this land, we want to build on this land, we're going to have the children, we're going to have these communities grow, there's a natural growth, and the timing, as my mother said once about getting pregnant, she said, it's never a good time to get pregnant. It's never, it's never convenient. Well, what's, what's, what's clear is that as much as possible, it's very important for Israel to have the United States on its side. Clearly, the Obama administration understands that the settlement blocks will remain in Israel's hands, even though publicly they've taken a position that's somewhat oppositional to the Bush letter. But, but knowing how sensitive the issue of settlements is to the Obama administration, it's very you know important to bring them in earlier and say look you know we're going to continue building in Gush Etzion as has been uh, um, agreed by American policy uh, and as you know it's we're, we've limited ourselves to seven blocks but may, bring them in you know as early as possible as allies generally do especially with um, with uh, this particular executive branch uh, and and their policies the the notion of surprise I think can have a real boomerang effect I think it's okay. be very careful about and let's that. therefore ask you the final question which is so now that the call for reversal of that land appropriation has been uh, has been issued, how is the Israeli government going to react? Well, uh, there there are a couple of options. Option number one is to, is to do is really to uh, is to really to do nothing and, and ignore it. And option number two is to reverse it. And option number three is to take some position is in some sort of position in the middle, which is is which is basically to say that this was just an you know an administrative step. There's in the meantime no building is taking place, and it's a it's a multi year it's a multi year process that, that doesn't affect reality on the ground, and and uh, you know the uh, the decision was taken completely out of context it's just to try to smooth it over uh which is probably that third way is probably the best way that's the you know israel when israel's decided to build uh the best way has been for it to build quietly in lands that are are legally and historically theirs ours uh and um and, and to try to come down that off that media tree because it's the media and the public you know, event-driven perception of the whole thing that creates um, that really creates uh, problems for all. Better to do things quietly than than loudly. Dan Diker is the former Secretary General of the World Jewish Congress. He's a research fellow at the Counterterrorism Institute at the IDC Herzliya, foreign policy fellow at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, and of course the executive producer here at Voice of Israel, and has his great show called National Security. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Shai. 
All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show here on Voice of Israel. The land of Israel keeps growing. It just can't seem to help it. By hook or by crook, our enemies try to destroy us. And some people were upset at the idea that this announcement is some kind of Zionist answer. You know what? It's not a Zionist answer. It's the most natural, organic thing to do, which is to live in our homeland and to keep building. And our homeland is connecting to us and we're connecting to it. And it's just a natural, organic process that cannot be stopped. Uh, there are diplomatic efforts against it. There are people who are going to wave their finger at us, but there's a bigger story than any administration or even any Israeli prime ministership or any bureaucracy. There is a large story of the Jewish people coming back home to the land of Israel and us reuniting with that land, falling in love with that land, and that land falls in love with us. It is an amazing, earth-shattering, nay, earth-building movement of return, of the in-gathering, of kumimiyut, of coming up uprightly, and all these things that we hear about are just a cover for the amazing story that's happening underneath. Folks, I want to hear from you. Write me an email, yishai at voiceofisrael.com. Stay tuned. More great stuff is on the way. And shalom. Shalom.